Good morning, Metal Ark family. Hope everyone is doing reasonably well uh, this beautiful fall, fall morning, uh, especially since, uh, especially after this great time of worship that we've enjoyed together. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Gary Richards, and I'm one of the shepherds here at Metal Ark. Uh, I'm filling in for Jeff Dunn this morning, our pulpit minister, uh, who's speaking at a Christian youth concert conference in Seattle this weekend. You know, I'm thankful that Jeff has opportunities to do events like this. Um, He has a unique ability uh, to connect with young people, and I'm sure he's having a very productive weekend. By the way, I can think of worse places to be than Seattle this morning, but uh, uh, we miss him when he's gone, uh, and we'll look forward to having him back next Sunday to uh, continue our the great series we've been having on the Gospel of Luke. Have you noticed that there's a lot of exciting stuff going on around this church? Uh, everywhere I look, there are people engaged in ministry and outreach. It's encouraging, I think, to be a part of a Christian family that is so busy doing kingdom work and making a difference in our community. I praise God for the opportunities he gives us to serve him. And I look forward to the things he has in store for us in the future. Related, I think, to all this exciting activity in our family, I wanted to talk just for a moment uh, this morning about our campus ministry here at Metal Ark. Uh, you know, we don't mention it very often, but as most of you know, we've been engaged in this ministry for many years. Uh, after a lot of discussion within our church family way back in 1997, we launched our college ministry that year when we hired Russ and Charlene Witten to come and lead the work. In that year, we also formed a campus organization called Rams for Christ. I remember that the ministry started a little slow, uh, so slow that I remember Charlene remarking one day that maybe we should rename our campus organization Ram for Christ. Uh, But in spite of those humble beginnings, uh, this church has blessed many students who have come and gone over the years. I personally know that Many of them have fond memories of CSU, the Metal Ark family, and Rams for Christ. By the way, for those of you who may not know this, uh, Russ and Charlene spent 15 great years working with us in this ministry. We hated to see them go uh, in 2012 when they moved from Colorado uh, to get closer to aging parents in Alabama, and Russ began a new pulpit ministry in Florida. I have said all that to say this. We've had a wonderful start to our campus ministry this fall. We are seeing and engaging many new students who are coming to our weekly events and getting involved in Christian community. Brad and Taryn are doing a wonderful job of engaging these students in a variety of ways. Since they also have a house full of young children, uh, they have been very busy. And uh, I just ask for your continued prayers for them uh, and their family in these busy times for them. Uh, As Chuck mentioned, uh, our students uh, are away this weekend at the Rams for Christ retreat uh, in Wyoming. So we've been praying that they're having a great weekend, and and we are praying that they'll have a safe trip uh, home this afternoon. Well, enough of that. Uh, Let me pray, and I'd like to get into the message that I want to share this morning. Dear Father God, we just want to thank you uh, for this time, Father, of of worship and fellowship and uh, teaching and preaching and praying and all the things we do when we gather together, Father. 
I do pray that you'll continue to bless our campus ministry. Uh, We're so thankful for the opportunities you're giving us right now to share Jesus with young people. And uh, so I just pray that you'll bless us this fall. Uh, You bless us in all the activities that we have planned. I pray that you'll bless Brad and Taryn in their work. I I pray that you'll continue to bless the retreat this weekend, um, that you'll give them a safe trip home uh, this afternoon. And Father, I just pray that you'll bless uh, the remarks uh, that I've prepared this morning. Uh, I pray that they'll encourage those who listen. Uh, And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My wife Karen and I uh, have been members of the Meadowark family for over 30 years. I think you would agree that 30 years is a long time. I know that you probably haven't noticed, but I'm getting older. Uh, Maybe you missed some of those telltale signs that might have given that away. But, you know, anyway, as I've grown older, I think I've found myself being more reflective about the journey that I'm on. Through these reflections, I believe God has blessed me with some insights about life. If these insights have yielded any revelations about life, I want you to know that I didn't just ease into this knowledge or wisdom. In fact, it has often been born of experiences that were difficult and painful, and some of that struggle was self-inflicted. Maybe you can relate to that. Anyway, I realize uh, that you also have experienced life in a very real way, and I know that there's many of you... uh, that life may not be going all that well for you today. We just need to recognize that. I just want to briefly share a few thoughts with you this morning. My greatest hope in sharing this message is to encourage you. I'm going to talk about this more later, but we really need each other in the journey of life. There's so much that we can learn from each other. You may or may not be able to relate to this, but often when I'm traveling somewhere, uh, I get so focused on the destination that I really miss a lot of stuff that's going on around me. This happened several times uh, to me on a trip that I took with Karen to the British Isles uh, in May of this year. One morning we got up early in Inverness, Scotland. Uh, Inverness is in northern Scotland. And set out for Loch Ness, uh, the home of the infamous Loch Ness monster. We wanted to go to a destination on the south end of the lake. And there were two options for going around the lake. On one side of the lake was a road more traveled. Basically, it was a busy highway. On the other side of the lake, there was a road that I would describe as a backcountry road. As usual, Karen was our navigator. I generally obey her navigational commands. (laughs) And I'm definitely more attentive in a foreign country where I'm driving on the left side of the road and fighting automatic responses that are geared to the right side of the road. Without any real discussion with me, My navigator chose the backcountry road that morning. Of course, I didn't realize that until I was too late to turn around. And being a man, I'm not sure turning around is ever really an option for me. (laughs) The road that I found myself driving that morning was a two-way, one-lane road with traffic. I don't know if you can imagine that or not, but it presented obvious problems in making any headway to our destination. Although I was in a beautiful place on a beautiful morning in Scotland, I was a little irritated with my wife. Of course, before we had gone very far on that one-lane road, I quickly saw her wisdom in choosing that route. As is too often the case, I was wrong, 
And she was right. You know, we have a choice uh, in life. We can get on that busy highway and miss everything along the way. Or we can get on that slower road and catch all those unexpected pleasures. Things I call serendipities like this waterfall uh, that we saw on that road that morning or other beautiful things that you can only see on that side of Loch Ness in Scotland. By the way, I almost miss this waterfall even driving on the slower road. So maybe it's not about the speed we're traveling, but how observant we are of the details that pass us by on the journey. Of course, this personal experience was a powerful object lesson to me about life and the fact that life is in the journey. Regretfully missing important stuff in my life has happened to me a lot. Too often I've raced to the next big event or moment in my life, and everything on the way is basically a blur that I couldn't describe to you at all. As Christians, our destination is very important to us. In fact, it is so important that it gives us the strength and hope to persevere in the journey of life. I'm sure that I couldn't survive without my hope of one day arriving at my true home. But I believe with all my heart that the journey is necessary preparation for our arrival at our eternal home with God. I believe there are some things that God wants us to know and experience before we show up at his doorstep. I really don't believe that heaven will be about lazily floating around on clouds strumming harps, but that it will be filled with meaningful work and purpose. God wants us to prepare ourselves now for that eventual reality. There are really some important things that we can learn and experience on this earth that will have application in our eternal home. At Bob Bland's memorial service in late August, there was a verse on the program that obviously applied to his life. Bob made a significant difference for Jesus in this world, despite physical handicaps and very limited resources. The verse was 2 Timothy 4.7. Near the end of his life, Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. My prayer is that one day near the end of my life, I can say this about myself and believe it is true. Paul is saying that life is in the journey. There is something for me waiting for me at the end of the journey, but I must travel the pathway in front of me first and hopefully travel it well. I want to look at this verse in 2 Timothy in a little bit more detail and try to bring application to us today. In thinking about the first phrase, I have fought the good fight, I'm reminded of Jesus' words in John 16, 33. He says, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling his disciples that they're going to have a fight on their hands if they choose to follow him. I bet Timothy and the other original readers of this letter knew exactly what Paul was talking about when he said, I have fought the good fight. I'm convinced that this fight is fought on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis. It is fought with a conviction that we need to push ahead no matter what obstacles or giants we face. God honors warriors. He gives them strength, courage, and perseverance. Although we may want to quit at times, we can't. As much as we would like to lie down, we can't. Again, I know that many of you are in the middle of some pretty tough stuff today. It's not easy to push through the pain and difficulty. But with God's help, we can. And we're blessed by Him when we do. 
We know that Paul faced an arduous daily battle in his life. It was filled with difficulty, pain, and hardship. I'm sure there were times that he wanted to quit, to lie down, but it was that resurrection power that he talks about in Ephesians chapter 1 that kept driving him forward through the obstacles and giants he faced. Did you know that that same resurrection power that kept Paul going is also available to us? If you didn't know that, I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 1. For some time now in my life, one of the first things I say to myself in the early morning is, I'm going to fight the good fight today. I often don't know what the day ahead holds for me, but I know it will require me to fight on. As followers of Jesus, we really have no choice but to fight on because of what Paul says in his next two phrases. The next thing he writes is, I have finished the race. We must finish the journey or the race as Paul often describes our lives. Again, I know that it seems that we've been knocked off the pathway or track at times. But we must remember that our God is there to lovingly pick us up again, gently dust us off, set us back on the pathway, and point us in the direction of home. We know He is the Good Shepherd who is always looking out for us, making sure that we don't lose our way. I think it's obvious from the Gospels that Jesus had a laser-like focus on the finish line. Although this was true, He didn't miss all the stuff on His own personal pathway to that finish line. He stopped to touch those on the side of the road, to notice them, to give them value, to bind up their wounds and their hurts. Jesus knew how to do ministry on the way to the finish line. He also knew how to take momentary pauses from the journey, to refocus by relying on the intimacy of his relationship with his Father, and remembering his purpose for being on the planet in the first place. As always, we can learn much from Jesus on how to run the race well. As you know, the race we're talking about is a marathon. It's an endurance test. Because of that reality, we need help. We need encouragement. I think we not only find encouragement and help from Jesus and His Spirit, but we find encouragement and help from those who are running the race with us, those who are traveling with us on the journey. We need each other desperately. We can't successfully run this race alone. Related to this thought, I love the vision I have in my mind of crossing the finish line someday and there, waiting on the other side, are all those loved ones who have crossed the finish line before me and are waiting for my arrival at home. In my imagination, not only have I arrived at home, but I find myself in the midst of that great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12 talks about. I'm not sure I have any words to satisfactorily describe this imagined moment. But in this moment, I believe that all I have faced and overcome in this personal marathon will be worth it. Because this race is a marathon, the idea of perseverance is mentioned over and over again. Uh, uh, Sorry, I completely lost my way. Uh, this, This idea of perseverance is mentioned over and over again in Scripture. Finishing the race well requires the kind of perseverance that has resilience determination, and effort as its ingredients. Again, I'm reminded of the passage in Hebrews 12 where the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. This kind of uncommon perseverance requires an uncommon faith. I believe that is why Paul then says, I have kept the faith. The writer of Hebrews, who some believe may have been Paul, tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. He also declares that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, we talk about faith a lot. Sometimes I wonder if we really get it, though. At times, by our actions and decisions, it seems to be missing from our lives. Paul said, I have kept the faith. He held on to it tightly because his life depended on it. He didn't lose it. He didn't let it slip through his fingers. What was true for Paul is also true for us. Faith is also our lifeline to God. In talking about faith, I really think it's about perspective. There's a song by Lauren Daigle that you may be familiar with. It's called Look Up Child. The song is about looking up to heaven when we're faced with the difficulties and challenges of life. I think we tend to look everywhere but up when we're faced with the storms of life. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul states that we walk by faith and not by sight. In 2 Corinthians 4, he says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Earlier in chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, he writes, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He goes on to say that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. If we're going to fight the good fight and finish the race well, we must look up to heaven. We must hold on to the things that we do not yet see. This is what faith is all about. That is the kind of faith I think that pleases God. I know he smiles when we walk by faith in him knowing the ultimate outcome of our lives is in his very capable hands. Of course, there's something else that we don't want to miss in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Paul then says, Now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. As he wrote these words, The finish line was near for Paul. But he was looking beyond that. Do you see how Paul has included us in this beautiful proclamation of what is next for him? Do you long for his appearing? Do you long for the light of his glory? In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. The light Paul saw at the end of the road was Jesus If we open our eyes and hearts, we can see that light too. I really hope you see it right now. One day, like Paul, we will cross the finish line and be immersed in the glorious light of Jesus. We won't have to deal with the darkness anymore. The journey that Paul traveled well, the race he ran well, prepared him for the glory of heaven and a home in the presence of God. There is no greater legacy that we can leave for those who remain after us than to fight hard, to finish well, and to live by faith. 
You know, I'm getting close to a final wrap-up here, but I have a few more words of encouragement to share that will be generationally focused. For those of you who are younger, I implore you not to live out your youth and even your middle age counting the days until the next big event in your life. I think you know what kind of events I'm talking about. Your, your life is really lived in those days that you can't wait to mark off the calendar. It's taken me a while to realize this, but the measure of our lives is determined in the mundane, in everyday living, in those days that seem unimportant to us in our search for those elusive points of happiness that populate our dreams of the future. Just like Jesus, we must make a difference daily. We must faithfully show up no matter where we find ourselves in relation to the circumstances and challenges of life. I personally don't believe a life lived well is defined by the big things we value, but in the little things that so often pass us by. I was having lunch with my son Matthew several weeks ago and sharing some of these thoughts with him. He shared with me that he and my daughter-in-law, Rachel, uh, were looking at some pictures of my grandchildren, Abby and Asher, over the past few years. And they both came to the important realization that they needed to be present in those moments with the kids because they passed so quickly. You know, this is the kind of personal realization that I wish we all could have more often. Earlier, I was talking about major events in our lives and how we can't wait to get to those moments while marking seemingly unimportant dates off the calendar. Retirement is one of those big events that we tend to daydream about and look forward to. We invest heavily in planning and saving for that great day when we don't have to clock in anymore or report to work every day. Retirement is a major milestone in our lives. As we plan all the things that we're going to do in the future with our time, I hope we realize that the idea of retirement from the workforce doesn't translate to our work in the kingdom. There's no such thing as retirement from the essential, important work that God has given us. If you're planning to reach this milestone soon or have already arrived, please remember that you have greater value to God's work on this planet than ever before. For one thing, you now have time, precious time. I'm going to encourage you to set eternal priorities, kingdom priorities with your time. Don't let valuable time slip away from your life in less valuable, non-eternal pursuits. Please also realize, please also realize that you have invaluable experience and wisdom to offer in every situation and circumstance. You can help those who are younger that may lack your perspective and wisdom. You can help those who can be encouraged by your victories and who can learn from your defeats. You may be old, but you have the marks of life on you that mean something. You may have limited resources, but you have yourself to give to others. You may be physically limited or even handicapped, but you have the personal testimony of how God works through your weaknesses to achieve miraculous things. Despite your current personal limitations or circumstances, I know that many of you are making a difference for Jesus with all the moments of your lives. Thank you for the wonderful example that you are to all of us. You know, I think and talk a lot about what it means to leave a spiritual legacy. 
a legacy that is imprinted on eternity. There are some things I want you to consider about leaving a legacy like this. First, it's never too late to point your journey in the direction of heaven or to change course. It's also never too late with the help of a loving God to start building a legacy that has eternity written all over it. Some of you might not like where you're at right now. For a lot of reasons, you may feel hopeless and even disgusted with yourself. I want you to know that it's never too late to allow God to pick you up from the pile of rubble where you may now find yourself. I'm personally familiar familiar with that pile of rubble that you may be calling life because I've been there. I've experienced it. So I know firsthand how God can heal our brokenness and rebuild our lives in completely new and beautiful ways. If you'll let him, he'll lovingly pick you up from the rubble. He'll embrace you like a son or daughter. He'll gently set you on the pathway and firmly point you in the direction of home. He'll give you everything you need to successfully cross the finish line in this marathon called life. Would you pray with me? Dear Father, we, uh, we just want to thank you uh, for the things you reveal to us. Uh, we thank you for men uh, like Paul, uh, who are great examples to us of how to run the race well. Uh, Father, I, I just pray for all of us that we'll see the importance of living daily, Father, uh, in the moments that we have. And that we'll see how important those moments are to our lives uh, and to a, a possible legacy, Father, that has e- the eternity imprinted on it. Father, I pray that uh, you'll help us to fight the good fight, um, that you'll help us to finish the race, and that you'll help us to keep the faith. Father, I just pray that you bless our family, and uh, we thank you for Jesus who means so much to us, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let us worship.